I'm your host, Shazan, and on The Skinny, we get down to the nitty-gritty of living your best and empowered life now. I'm a wife, mom of two, daughter, sister, friend, and mompreneur, so I know from experience that as women, we have many shoes to wear, and it's not just the ones in our wardrobes. This season, we're going deep with lady chats and girl talks about topics that impact our multifaceted lives as women daily. Funny how some people think that just because we have strong opinions about our style and fashion, that we won't, can't, or don't have strong opinions about what's going on around the world and in the news. Well, we crush all of that on the skinny. And yes, that definitely includes style, fashion, and beauty too. So let's hit it, because it's showtime. Hello, my beautifuls. Welcome to another episode of The Skinny. We're alive and breathing. (laughs) Some people would say, honey, just stop right there. That's all I got for you. But I pray that your work, your week, actually, your work week, whatever kind of week you've had was productive and positive. And if it wasn't, for whatever reason, just know that, thank God, we get to press restart every single day to make our new days better than the ones before. So our past or our childhood does not dictate our future. We hear that sometimes, but how many of us actually believe that or know it, you know, not just a matter of hearing it, but how many of us actually truly believe that? And that also goes unless, you know, of course you choose to use it as like a crutch or a pass to get out of dreaming and going after your goals or, you know, being your best selves because some people do that. You know, one of the main things that is required (laughs) is for us to work our butts off and to keep trying. So that's the part that usually gets so many of us Um, why we don't get to the other side of whatever it is that we're going after. So on the show today, I have proof of that, that your childhood or your past just does not dictate your future. And my guest for you today is a history-making woman. She made history already and continuing to. And she's always had relentless, this relentless pursuit and determination to achieve all of her dreams, regardless of her childhood, which was the harsh realities of growing up poor in a gang-infested village. So I'm thrilled to welcome a true champion and an overcomer to the show to share her story of adversity, perseverance, triumph, all of the wonderful things Um, that it really takes to make it. And also the first time ever Caribbean and Jamaican WNBA player and championship winner, my dear friend, Simone Edwards, by the way, better known as Jamaican Hurricane. Welcome to The Skinny and thank you, Simone, so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Shazan. I mean, I am so excited to be a part of your show. Thanks for inviting me. How come I'm so late? Then you have like 10 shows. How come I should be the first one? Exactly. I mean, we have to talk no, about that. You're stacking, you're stacking the chips. It's like, 
there's one thing happening after another. It's like one major accomplishment. And then between that time to scheduling you to being on the show, then you're off doing another one. And then we have to postpone for you to get that major thing. So now I'm happy that you finally have the time to be here on the show. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm happy to be, <laughs> even though, you know, I, I, well, you know what? I have been pretty busy, but I wasn't busy for you. We could have scheduled something in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, anyway, guys, it's showtime. So let's jump right into it. Um, many times in life we feel, you know, beat down or that all of the odds are stacked against us, um, which most people would then interpret to mean, you know, more than likely we're stuck with our circumstances. And because of those cards that we've been dealt in life, um, you know, we lose, we lose wind or we lose that drive. But Simone, on the other hand, <laughs> completely has a different outlook on this, thinks differently, believes differently, and has completely lived her life differently. So Simone, we'll jump right into it with you um, from a toddler. And this, you, you have so many accomplishments and we'll get into all of the details of that. You've written a book about it. Um, you've received numerous awards and honors throughout your uh, career and even after. And um, so what I wanna do is tap into the before, the middle and now afterwards. Um, because of course, you know, the story is <laughs> previous shows, I'm about letting people know what's the nitty gritty in the middle. Talk about how you started and how you ended, but we want to know the survival story of it all. So when you were a toddler, you lived in a poor gang infested and controlled village, which to me immediately sounds like a lot to go through to be to where you are today. So what were some of the things that you had to endure on a regular basis as a child living in your neighborhood and your village? Well, you know, uh, you can never forget those gunshots. I mean, it was just, seemed like daily, but even though it wasn't, it just, it just becomes so familiar. No child should be familiar with gunshots, you know? Right. Here, you know, if something goes, the, the kids would think it's a firecracker, and that only mm -hmm. come around in Fourth of July or special occasion but growing up where I grew up you know you just hear a lot of gunshots and then right. most of the time they're gonna be a dead body behind it one or two it's never mm -hmm. just gunshots and no dead bodies it's usually gunshot and dead body so right. you know um, one of I mean I wrote this in my book one of the thing that I saw I mean I've seen dead bodies but you know I remember just clearly that that guy that was um, naked and dead <laughs> went to look for hunt for books to read in the dumpster. Um, so, you know, that's not anything a young child should see, but right. I was hunger for knowledge and I wanted to read. I want to experience the world through someone else's eye. When you're poor, that's all you can do. Right. So when you were growing up, um, do you remember feeling like you were afraid? Yes, I, I did feel afraid. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm afraid because there were policemen um, knocking at your door three in the morning, beating mm -hmm. it down. 
looking for gunmen, um, that loud sound that wake you up out of your sleep. There's just so many things that made you afraid. But, you know, there's also this other part of growing up in a small village where everybody there in Jamaica where the music was fun also, you know. So there was this right. other part that balanced it out. But, yes, um, you know, I was afraid a lot of times. So your mom, was she single parent? Was it both families in the home? And how many siblings did you did you have? Well, I grew up with my mom and three brothers. I was a baby and the only girl. My father didn't live close by. And mm-hmm. he had also, um, I have a brother and two sisters on my dad. But I didn't see them a lot because, again, they didn't live close by. So mm-hmm. it was just my mom. And then my mama was my mom's best friend that babysat for her while she worked. Right. Um, she lived in the, the adjoining community. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I was spending a lot of time with mama. I spent okay. more time with mama than mommy just because mommy had to work so hard. Right. So what was home life like for you? Was your mom a strict mom? Because I know island parents or especially island moms are no joke. Oh, yeah. I, I feared my mom more than I feared anything in this world. <laughs> Even ghosts. I was afraid of ghosts. I, I would rather face the ghosts, the gunmen, the bullets, whatever they have out there than my mom. That's how right. that my mom was. It's just that look. You know it goes. You don't I have know. to just give me that look, and that yeah. was it. What was your mom's job? Um, she took on many. You know, when I was a toddler, she used to be a conductress on the bus. You know, the public bus. Um, mm-hmm. she used to be a conductress. And then um, she also sued, you know, if you be uniform and stuff, she sued. Then she later um, went to school to learn to be a fashion designer. So she learned that so she could sew, sew her yeah. clothes, you know, in different styles. So she did a few different things. She right. Stuff, um, at home, we, she made put-ins and juices and sells from the house. So she was just, she did everything she could to make sure we had food to eat. Right. And so she's a hardworking lady and long hours, like you said, and so you made a reference to Mama. That was, was she a part, she was a significant part of your daily life? Yes, Mama was. <laughs> you know, Mama used to sell on the side of the, the street. She right. had her little tray with her food. And so she was a street vendor. Is that to yeah, give our lis- listeners a visual of what that is? It's, um, in the islands, you have the street vendors and um like it's either fresh fruits or whatever it is either seasonally or whatever it may be you'll have those vendors where they're always there um and then they sell and cars will stop at whatever point in time throughout the day and buy for them and some people this is their livelihood so that's what that's what you're saying that she did she had things that she sold okay so did um does she have any impact to the way you saw life or how you saw future being that you spent so much time with her? She was a businesswoman. Whether you're selling on the side yeah. of the store, in the store, this is a businesswoman. Yeah, she, she, she was. She, <laughs> you know, she taught me, you know, my mom and my mama, they taught me how to be strong and tough and um, how to not, you know, depend on anyone. You know, I was learning how to wash from I was six years old, my mom put the bath pan in front of me, <laughs> mm-hmm. even though she washed them after, but she tried to teach me how to cook. A lot of things she told me right. that I have to learn to depend on myself. Mm-hmm. 
how to be independent. <laughs> yes, and uh, and so I used to watch them in awe because they worked so hard and they provided, you know, for their family. Right. And you know, from so little. And mm-hmm. I always said it motivated me to give them a break. I wanted to be successful so they could see that their hard work wasn't in vain and that I wanted to show them the world. So, you know, just like yeah. later I took mama to Disney World, things that she would never see before. Right. Mama to Disney World. Right. So it's just one of those things that they motivate me. I wanted more for them. Mm-hmm. Myself. Mm-hmm. So here's a question. How tall are you now? I'm going somewhere with this. How tall are you now? <laughs> I'm six, four. Six, four. Okay. So when did you begin to realize that you were getting a lot taller than your peers? Like at what age? Well, I was born, when I was born, I was two feet. So <laughs> I, mean, I was taller than my, um, <laughs> you know, from um, kindergarten, uh-huh. I realized I was taller than my peers. But it really, you know, you know, but it, it didn't affect me until I got to like all age school, you know, right. um, that's when the kids were like, mean you know try right. um, it out try to you know make it seem like a horrible thing so and far we listeners, before we go on sorry to cut you before we go on so that they know what grades it's like all age school what kind of grades are you talking about what category of grades is that is that from that's a- from um so i started four i so i started from the age of four uh, i attended um st francis all age school from the age of four mm-hmm. um and it goes up until I think it goes up into ninth grade. Okay. okay. Um, so I don't know how they compare here, but it's right. That uh, that pretty much goes from like elementary and middle school. Yeah. So I think it's probably combined to yes. what? So did you experience teasing and bullying about your height since you were a noticeable? There was this noticeable difference between you and your peers. Oh yeah, from I start going to St. Francis when I was just going to the other little school mm-hmm. and someone's out you know no didn't no one said anything we just played and but when I start going to be around these other kids and these boys mm-hmm. that's when I start getting teased and bullied you know from right. four years old about my height right so yeah pretty mm-hmm. early how did you personally um cope with it because bullying is is something that can impact for life you know it's like long after you're away from these people sometimes the the stain or the residue or scars from what you went through during during that time can sit with you so what was your coping mechanism um with dealing with the bullying while you were actually going to school with these people well i turned to uh track i turned to yeah i i like sport because mm-hmm. i wanted to distract them. I wanted to pull away from my height and see my speed. So mm-hmm. I was undefeated. I was winning all the races. So, you know, then you become popular. Well, you know, right. everybody's caring for you. You're now popular in a way because you're the fastest mm-hmm. kid in your age group. So that's what I turned to. I mean, it was difficult. You know, you're trying not to get in fights and you're trying to, you know, avoid the bullies. I do that during break time and lunchtime. You know, you, you get friends that appreciate you and love you and spend time with them. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that, that's how I um, kind of did it. And until I start getting taller than them, then I start facing them. <laughs> then I start getting in their face like, what do you say now? I can step on you. Right. But, but while I was fourth, you know, upon this grade, I was not, you know, I, I just, 
try not. I try to prevent them as much as possible. Right. That confrontation at that age, you're trying to avoid it. You don't want them. It's like you almost want to disappear so that they don't see you, which means then in turn, they can't tease you. Right. Right. Because not only tease, you know, the words, you know, sometimes you get so used to the words after a while because they say mm-hmm. long, like you call names. It's it's the one that want to fight. Right. That was my problem. Right. I didn't want to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the ones they tease, but then they want to hit you. And, uh, and so I was like, who raised these kids? You right. know, <laughs> my mom taught us not to fight and not to touch other people. These kids want to get in fight. Aren't they scared of their parent? Right. You know, that's in my head, you know, oh but I guess gosh. they just, you know, as you get older, you kind of understand where it's coming from. But then at that age, you just. It's hard to comprehend to, that. Right. Yeah. My son Arlington is six four, six five right now, and as fast as he's growing upwards is as fast as his shoes and his shoe size was growing <laughs> as well. So, did you experience that too when you know in growing where it's like, okay, you know, my mom's working as hard as she can to make ends meet, and you know that that's not a normal rate of growth which i have been experiencing where it's like you're changing stuff out on a long time on a regular basis did that happen with you as well yes it did and and corn you know that that thing hurt i mean when you have <laughs> you know you get, when you wear the cheapest shoes because that's what your mom could afford right you know, they were in the plastic or the ballerina cloth shoes right. and the sun is so hot but yes um kids would tease you about your feet you yeah know, they find thing they could um but it's not i didn't worry much about the teasing because there are other kids there are so many other kids just like me are right. less fortunate right so about with the shoe but the problem really was the fact that you know i know i only had one pair of shoes for school and you know i have to take it off when i want to go play mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. you know but then again, kids in Jamaica, I grew up, you know, back in those days, even now you see the kids, they just take their shoes off. We play beer all the time. So right. it was nothing new. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it did, we, I did get teased on different occasions about my feet. Uh, but like I said, at, at, you know, at a certain point, it was like I start mounting off back. So it just. Yeah. <laughs> so was this something that you looked at, like shoe shopping when you did end up going shoe shopping was it something that you looked forward to doing or was this something that you dreaded doing no something i i i, I both dreaded and looked forward to because i'm getting anything that was new i was happy because it's yeah. not a lot of things that comes new when you're poor yeah um dreaded because i get there and and they're looking at sun they'd be the man be like or the woman that's selling be like oh you know, for early age, <laughs> you know, I have oh. to use, wear the adult size now. Right. I'm two year old. I have to wear my mama's shoes. Just kidding. Right. But I'm just saying it's just, you know, that part when they make reference to just. So you. they, as adults, are also making reference to making it awkward and uncomfortable for you as a child, like talking about the size of your feet and those yeah, kind of things that you don't hear as a child. Yeah. You know what? I got bullied. You know, the, the adults were as bad as the kids. They were even worse because you didn't, you know, you're like, I'm just a child. I mean, why? They 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 were much meaner. You see, kids, you know it's coming and you can handle it. They're your yeah. age, you know, except for the bigger boys. Or but, you know, yeah. you like you mouth off, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's what kids do. But then, mm-hmm. 
you go into adults, you know, and they'll say, say things, and then they think they're, and they're not even whispering, you know. Right. They'll just right. mean, you know. Yeah. Just a little shalangi, you know, <laughs> like, like, you know, things like, They're talking like, about you know, your height, they're talking about your, your Yes, you know, um, referring to, like, a um, coconut tree, or referring, you know, giraffe, referring to an animal, and wow. stuff like that, you know, and these yeah. are grown people. Yeah. So that's the part that really got on my under my skin when I was mm-hmm. younger, the adults doing that. Yeah. So. This is something where, again, you said you saw your your mom and then you saw mama where they made an impact because they were hardworking. So usually as teenagers, I have teens. I remember when I was a teen, I was always trying to like plot, how am I going to make money? What's my first job going to be, you know, and stuff because you want to be able to get things for yourself. And then at the same time, a lot of kids, not all, but a lot of kids, um, including myself, where I wanted to also take the burden off of my parents for what I consider to be basic things. I didn't want to ask for those anymore. You know, I wanted to figure out how am I going to earn money to do that. Was that an option for you in your in your village and in your area for you to earn? Yes, I did that. I used to pick um fruits mm-hmm. and then set up right next to Mama because mm-hmm. she only sell oranges and bananas. So I go yeah. and pick mangoes and um, yeah. pears and stuff and set up my little shop next to hers and sell. <laughs> And so um, that's how I make. And then she'll take my, I remember her taking mine and said she's going to open my account. Mm-hmm. And she opened an account um, for me. Well, I made some quarters. And yeah. I was so excited. And that just motivated me. I'm like, whoa. And I, I'm but mommy money. didn't want me on the road like that. <laughs> mommy didn't want me, you know, going, I'm picking things and selling. You know, right. mama, mama just wanted me to be. Mommy wanted more. Mommy wanted, did, did you think it was safe? Okay. Mama just trusted me. She think I was fine, and she just mm-hmm. liked my hustle. She think it's a good way of being independent. So there are these two um, women that you know they're different perspectives to life and different things. But I learned from both, and I just but I was a hustler. I was hustling, and like you said about the shoe, yeah. Um, you know, I would. I remember one time I was out with her, without school shoes, and mommy she didn't have any money yet to buy me a new pair of shoes, and she let me wear hers. Mm-hmm. I was the back shoes and it got torn on the side and I have to stitch it with the needle and thread and I didn't want to go out and play with the other kids because I didn't want to tease me because it was a different color on right. the side. So you so, you know, but yourself. I never asked mommy and I never strain, I never forced or do anything right. because right. I just know that she will when she has time. You don't you so appre- you appreciate everything else that she's doing and you just know, especially when you hear her crying and praying at night. Right. You know, um you know, that everything will be fine, that she can um, pay her school fees and stuff like that. So, you know, you, you're not going to put more burden on her. You just learn to appreciate things. That's why, you know, you grow more humble. Right. And that's what right. I, you know, you're coming from humble beginnings. I keep, I keep that humbleness. I want to stay right. humble and appreciate all the little things. Mm-hmm. And this, this, so you stay, you said earlier that um, one of the first times that you actually saw a dead body was you were jumping into a dumpster to be able to get books. So I didn't want to skip over that. That's something where now you're growing up in a village. um, Gunshots are a regular occurrence for you to hear. Uh, There is still a desire within you 
to read your books? Was this a form of escape for you to read? Was there a particular type of books that you were looking out for or how did, because books clearly played a major role if you were willing to go to that extent just to get books into your life? Well, the dumpster really, um, it's just a big, it's a big um, open land that they come and they dump books and different garbage and everything and they burn it. Mm-hmm. So it's just, we would jump the wall as kids, me and my friends, because mm-hmm. we went go, we wanted the books because there was no library next to us. Right. Um, and we wanted books to read. So we'll jump the wall, even though we were forbidden. And uh, we get our boxes and we put the books. Don't in skip over that part. You said you would jump the walls, even though it was forbidden. <laughs> <laughs> You see, I, I tried I, to you, whisper you that, part, that part, sneak it really in. Really fast, and I wanted the listeners to hear. You jumped the even though it was created. Okay, carry on. <laughs> mm, just a dumpster. It's staying, you know, we're not supposed to be over there. Right. Um, you know, like I said, it's where, you know, um, they dump the thing from the Different things are dumped there. We're not supposed mm-hmm. to be there. But, man, when we saw that there were books, yeah. and I was a big fan of fairy tales, so that's all I searched for, fairy tale books. All I searched for until the hello fairy tale. <laughs> so because I wanted to escape the fairy tales, I have those happy endings, yeah. and I wanted, you know, I wanted to be, you know, to to, to live that in my head that happy ending. I was a happy child. Yeah. You know, even though I was poor, I was happy. I made my own toys and everything, but I was very happy. I was just yeah. poor. Yeah. Um, but you know, going over and get those, getting those books, we we got so excited, and we were all trying to see who can get the best books and who mm-hmm. get the most. So even though it was a little dangerous, we we yeah. we nothing could stop us. We wanted our books. So we so, going on a big tree. Being that you've set major goals and had major dreams, did these books did these books and these stories help you to kind of visualize um and have even bigger dreams? Like did they take you to another place that you felt was a fairy tale, but was was that a part of what created or helped to create some of these dreams that you had set for yourself? You know, what I took from the fairy tale was what I like about it. It's not that I believed, you know, in the stories, really. Mm-hmm. That it, I, I just love the fact that there was this poor girl or, you know, something going in the prince again, and then now she's, it's just a change. Right. That change. Yeah. I, I like the process of, you know. The possibility. Um, right. And then all of a sudden you're here. And that's what I wanted. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I held on to that because, like I said, I always say, you know, your present circumstance should not dictate your future. Right. And so, you know, during that time, it, it was then, you know, even though I was poor, I didn't see anywhere after high school or my mom going to afford for college. I didn't see anything mm-hmm. coming was like a wall for right. some time but then I go into my head space and I'm like things change they mm-hmm. can change I want to be that change right I'm going to change it and so that's what kept me motivated and I think that's so remarkable because um you had that in you like it's you didn't know what was behind that wall but you dreamt beyond the wall anyway you felt that so real inside of you that you were you were driven a lot of, a lot of times it's um the drive can be that missing piece cuz you're driving to somewhere unknown or to something unknown you just know that there you're going somewhere and so 
that you said earlier that your mom was a single parent and your dad had, um, you had siblings from your dad's side. So it's two separate families, but was your dad present in your life as well? You said you did running. Yeah, he, he, he was, uh, uh, um, you know, he was a police officer and he didn't make a lot of money. So I know that, um, you know, it was difficult, um, taking care of two families, but, you know, again, I, you know, it was, most of the thing was on my mom and, mm-hmm. um, but he he never misattracted me, you know, when right. I was there. I, I ran, and so but my mom couldn't catch. Never made one right. because she was always working. Okay. Um. So you know he was in transportation, mm-hmm. um, in the police force. So you know he, he could drive and stuff. And um. Mm-hmm. So at least I appreciated that. Right. I appreciated turning around and seeing him. He cheered mm-hmm. me on. He was running on the sideline. So you know things like that. I I I did appreciate. Right. And, um, you know, I wanted to become a champion every time because right. I want to make him proud. Right. You know, my mom couldn't see, so I wanted her to see by bringing home the gold medals. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. And so as a gold medal winner for track and field throughout school, um, transition with me to going into, like, the other phase into your life, there was one particular day that things didn't go so well because you were winning – all of your games and bringing home medals. And then there's one that it didn't turn out with the same um, outcome and you lost your race. And this was a national track meet from what I read in your book. And um, what, what do you believe happened that day? How do you feel that that was like tied into, there's some things that you believed may have been the reason why you didn't win the race that day. What was that? Well, you know, See, um, I definitely didn't have the gears, you know, the spikes. I, I mm-hmm. was used to running barefooted, um, especially in college school and in high school. By the time those trap me come around, the guy, he pulled out some old spikes and said, hey, let's see if these fit. So he gave you the well. old ones. Yeah, they were dirty old, but they didn't give any new ones for you spikes. Mm-hmm. And I hated that, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, yeah. it was just thirties and um so that really I was off just you know, even that wearing mm-hmm. bikes that didn't fit comfortably. And then right. the other person they they were trained well. You know, you can tell they were doing it for a while, the way they warm up in their spike, mm-hmm. they look uniform. And you know, um so I they, they beat me fair and square. I wasn't prepared. I was right. fast but I was naturally fast. And at that point I realized that I need to always work harder and even mm-hmm. when no one is I need to work harder because see these girls were working hard wherever they were that's why they're faster than me right I was tempted because I was beating everybody as where I was but, right you know you have to think about the thing that you can't see like if you're driving and obviously you explore you're like whoa I didn't see this before it's the 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 possibility outside of the thing that you thought is possible right so I had to I I realized from that moment that I have to always work exceptionally hard for the ones who I don't know about. Those foes I know about and the foes I don't know about. The people right. I'm going to go. Right. I was leaving and I was really sad, like I said, you know, from there because I'm not used to being beaten. Mm-hmm. And, uh, You're used to winning. Yeah. <laughs> That's the so other way. I'm used to winning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm not taking on many gold now, you know, right. so I'm not very happy. And then, but then I ran into these two coaches and my life changed after that because they introduced basketball. That's going in my seat. What's your dad? Huh? 
was your dad there at that race that day? No, he wasn't. He couldn't make that race. Mm-hmm. At least, no, I think he was there the day before. It's uh, two days. Okay. Or was he there earlier for the... I just know that he wasn't at that end race. He probably was right. there earlier. I, I, I can't even go back into... That's how devastated yeah. I was. So yeah. I probably wasn't there. So you were saying that that day kind of had like a twofold. You didn't win that race and you were you know, disappointed, but what else happened that day? You made reference, what other big life-changing event also happened? I mean, that's when I was introduced to basketball. I mean, something new. I realized there are girls out there faster than me. I didn't like that. So let me try something else that I'd probably be great at. Mm -hmm. Um, Basketball was introduced to me and um, a scholarship was offered, even though I didn't know the game. And that's where it started. Um, so they offered you a basketball scholarship, but you didn't know the game. How did they? How did they know you or find out about you? I mean, the the local coach knew me from um, netball. I started playing netball like my last then a, a year. It started. Mm-hmm. Well, um, is netball um, like volleyball or what is netball? It's more netball is similar to basketball, except there are seven people on court. You cannot dribble and run with the ball, but you can just pass it and pivot. Okay. So, you know, one, sh- two shooters, you know, mm-hmm. you can have two shooters instead of everybody can shoot. So it's, somebody will have to YouTube it to really. Get right, to understand. But, um, okay. Well, that's where. So that's he, a massive. And then they were at a track meet. They came mm-hmm. to see the track meet and, and they saw me too. So it was, you're six, four, you're athletic. Why don't you learn the game? So that's right. where all of that which is a huge opportunity because you have families or parents that are like grooming their kids from elementary school in hopes that their child will be scouted or, you know, someone will come and offer a scholarship. And um, so that's, that was a huge thing to be recognized for as much as you were saying earlier that you wanted, you realized that you needed to work that much harder. Um, there, here it is that whatever it is that you were doing was great and great enough to be recognized to the point where now they're looking at you like, hey, we want to offer you a, a scholarship. So you said you didn't know it. You, did, you didn't know what basketball was. <laughs> did, yeah, I mean, it's going to be for any coach that, see, if you're 6'3", by then I was probably 6'2", uh-huh. very athletic. I mean, that's a dream for any basketball coach. I mean, yeah. you can't teach height. And, you, you know, it's a more that's born at, um, natural athleticism that most people don't have. So you're right. all you know you have to do is teach a skill. So it's right. a coach's dream. And they saw the opportunity. And um, I saw the opportunity. So it was a match made in heaven. Right. Was it smooth sailing after they presented this to you? What Being that you didn't even know the game, um, what went in what went in full speed ahead after here's the opportunity i accept the opportunity i don't know the game but here we go what happens after that i, I mean it you know it just it took a lot i mean it, it was really frustrating because basketball is a skill game again and um you have to know footwork so i was pretty awkward and it's just right. the training i had to train i you know if there's no in, indoor court 
where we were training in the stadium. So I had to be out in the hot sun barefoot. Um, there are a lot of things I went through. It's all in the book, but um, it was just a process, but I didn't give up. Even though it was right. hard, I didn't give up because I that was my way out. So what kept you motivated in these times? I mean, you're saying that you didn't have the indoor court, so you were training outside. You didn't uh-huh. have the proper gear, so you were training um, barefooted. What kept you motivated during these times when, you know, everybody who's going through something, especially when you're learning something or any, whether you know it, as you're going through a process, there's moments when you think, can, can I even do this? Like, why am I doing this? But what was your motivation? Well, there was never a moment when I think, why am I doing this? Because mm-hmm. when you grew up in poverty, there's no question why. Right. You, don't, you know. <laughs> you know why you're doing yeah. this. Um, you know, but there it was a part like, you know, how can I survive this? I'm not used to, you know, um, you know, am I, I don't want to fail at this. Mm-hmm. So you go harder because you don't want to fail. Right. When, when, again, when you're pouring an opportunity like this presents itself, you're going to do everything you can. And especially when you made a promise that, you know, you're going to be successful. You have to, and then this opportunity comes, you're not going to let it slip. So you have to stay focused and go through every, even when you feel frustrated and you cry and you want to give up, you could, you can't because you're going to say, what do I have left? I have right. nothing. Um, right. So, you know, that's where it, it can't, you know, in the, um, yeah. so I just, it was that was my motivation. I right. I keep going back after practice. You go home and you say, "This is where I'm at." You hear a gunshot. Somebody else died. I need to leave. I need to. Right. I need to be the change I want to see in terms of. I have no heroes around me except my mom, and I want to be one of those for the young kids. Right. Just see somebody like them made it, and I wanted to be that person. There's a quote that um that I saw in the book, and guys, um. This is a book that definitely everyone should have. And if if it's just for you or if it's for you to pass on to a teenager or whatever, it is, I mean, the book is, it's remarkable. The, the story, um, it's so detailed and transparent, but it also shows you that, again, the adversities and the trials that come along the way, or some people have way harder situations and circumstances than others but in this book you see that you know even in the ups and downs um when you don't give up because there are ups and downs and you're being flung left right and center at times when you don't give up there is the other side it's do you have what it takes to hang in there and one of the things um from the book that simone said that stood out to me was that um I wanted to be one of the ones that made it out of the ghetto so I could come back home and make a difference for children going through the things I knew too well. So even as Simone's going through all of these different things and wanting to make it out and to do things for her mom and mama and her siblings and dad and all of this stuff, one this is something that stood out to me that even as these things are happening and you're fighting through to learn and to grasp this opportunity and to get everything out of it as possible you still weren't just thinking about you and your immediate family here it is that you wanted to come back and then do for the other children around you 
And I think that's, that's so huge because many times people, when they get an opportunity, they're like, I'm out of here. But here it is, you were thinking as a part of your getting out was, I'm going to come back. And so, you know, with all of this stuff, I just think that that's so remarkable um, that this is just a part of your, your fabric, you know, of who you are today. And, and again, it's, it's always tricky when someone says I'm humble about myself, <laughs> about yourself, <laughs> but I can tell you that um, the humbleness from Simone and her heart is just, it's uh, a rarity. Let's just say that it's definitely a rarity that the genuineness that's there. And Simone, you went, you went through a lot of intense training and hours in the sun, training with no shoes, hot pavement, all, you know, all of this stuff, um, because it was outdoors and you had to get back and forth, um, to your training. So it's when you went through the whole process of prepping because here it is that there's a scholarship that you're told about so what happened what happened when you made that phone call after you're doing all this training and you know it, exerting all of this energy and back and forth and um putting all the time and efforts into it what happened when you made the call to your coach to check in on your scholarship you know now you've worked all this time so how does that part work it's like okay yeah we want you to come to our school for a scholarship, but now you have to prep. And then, then what happens? What's like the next phase after that? Well, you know, um, and when it was close to um, time for a scholarship to be offered, because all these different rules with the um, NCAA, but, you know, it was... By who? Time. The rules by who? I'm sorry. Yeah. You NCAA. know, with the coaches, okay. when they can visit, when they can talk to you, different, there were different rules. Um, mm -hmm. Still, until today there are different rules but you know they have to wait until the end and you get your transcript all those stuff so when the coach called he this was coach at university of oklahoma mm -hmm. and this is a big division one university big university and then um right. he said um he said you know i'm not going to be able to take you and you know um and that's all I heard. This wait, wait, wait. Hold on. <laughs> so after you did all of this and you called about it, that they, they told you that they weren't going to be able to take you? Yeah, he's not going to bring me to Oklahoma. I said, you know, so or you've wow. been working hard and hey, we won't be we're not going to bring you to Oklahoma. I heard that. I mean, the Mumble, other part. It, it was like complete mumbling after you heard we're not going to be able No, after that, I just hear some chirping, some gunshots, some... Um, <laughs> everything outside <laughs> but then you know then you know I said I you know after I get back like what you know then he told me that it was another school he wanted me to get some more experience instead of coming okay. to that big major university and okay. that's why I ended up in Seminole Oklahoma the junior college he wanted me to go there first so I can because I'm just I'm still learning the game to go there spend two years get accustomed to the college get accustomed to the game and then come on to him for another two years at okay the beginning. okay Okay. Which would be, okay. it would be better and it was but um right. so yeah <laughs> it, you know, that was that was like enough to give i almost got a heart attack <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know like then you know i got blistered on my feet here <laughs> <laughs> <Shoot>. <laughs> okay so his whole thing from that was 
get some additional training. So you still got a scholarship, but he wanted you to then go to the junior college first before coming right. to the university. Okay. Right. So, so you played two years at the junior college and, um, how, but before we do that, what happens for a scholarship? I mean, do you have to leave at a certain time to yes. go? Okay. Okay. They so want when you did, there, when did they want you? Because you were still in high school. Did, did they wait for you they to graduate? A year, so you have to wait. They wait until, you know, you finish up. And, and so, you know, most coaches, they try to get you in in August, by August. Mm -hmm. Or for the summer, for summer school. They try to get you in okay. to take some summer classes so you can get accustomed to, you know, um, classes and stuff before, you know, all the students start coming in okay. for the fall. So. Mm -hmm. You know, I got in, um, I went there in August, I think. So I was I was prepared. Um, graduation, I think, was after that for Kingston Tech. So I didn't make it to my graduation. I graduated, but I didn't make it to the graduation. For your high school but, graduation, yeah, you weren't there. Care. Either way, it was nothing that was like, okay, um, it was either near, here or there for me. Um, it was okay. more, you know, my friends that I would miss. But I wasn't really, I wasn't even looking forward to it. Again, okay. because of, you know the dress up and all this stuff. I say. So you weren't looking forward to because you're thinking of the the additional things that went with having to now do. Yeah, that. and I, you know, I, I I was actually I didn't want to put on no dress and no heels. <laughs> okay, so you didn't want to do it because you had to dress up. That yes, I wanted part. to. <laughs> so no, I, I was good. I was good to go. Um, I was ready to go. So, okay. you know, being just turning, I was 17 and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, leaving their family and everything, but I was ready. I just felt right. like there was so much out there for me and I wanted to take it on. I mm -hmm. wanted to go out there and take it on. And this would be your first time to the America and the first time away from home. Um, actually, it wouldn't be my first time away from home. My first trip, Mama, I mean, she... Um, help with that. I went to Cayman Islands my senior year um, to the Cayman Islands. That was my um, I think I did that. And then um, I went to visit Oklahoma University before. Um, mm -hmm. That's how I, I They flew me out to visit because you can fly in and visit. So that was my okay. first trip ever um, to the U.S. And that right. was amazing. Um, I was like walking on this wooden floor that's so pretty. And I'm looking at this gym. I said, Jesus, Father. <laughs> okay, <laughs> translation for our listeners. So this is the first time that you saw the gymnasium with the shiny wood floors and you realize, okay, you've been training outside and being completely burned by the sun. So this is a space now where you can actually play and not be like yes air conditioned gym it was air conditioned um the big board black board with the, the lights and those, those nice gym seats it was so beautiful it was the most beautiful thing i ever seen and then i saw the <laughs> girls and their different shoes i walk in their locker room i see all these shoes they get like three different pairs of shoes right. um i'm looking like wow. man i'm gonna get three different pairs of shoes is that nike i had a fikey all this time <laughs> i can't wait to wear a nike <laughs> You had a fikey. Oh my god. I had a fikey, man. Okay. My mom they finally when I finally got a shoe it was a fikey. That thing was hard like rock. Like, <laughs> I can give me some corn. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you did you did end up okay, so you went back and you did your two years and um 
you you ended off that two years before you went out to the University of Oklahoma to finish off the last two years. I so, didn't. I didn't go to the University of Oklahoma, but I I can't give you all of the details because it's in no, the book. No, because I want I want them to read. But I did not I went to the University of Oklahoma. Book. You didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Oh. I didn't go. Um, it, it ended up that he got fired. The coach got fired. Yes. So before I could go, so he was the reason I would go in the first place. So mm-hmm. are you re- are you resigned? Um, what they want to say. Um, <laughs> so he was no longer there, <laughs> and so it was. Um, but let me tell you something. Uh-huh. You know, you take a Jamaican, a young poor Jamaican girl, and the first place in the U.S. you flyers in Seminole, Oklahoma, where they're cowboys and Indians. That's a culture shock. <laughs> That's all you see: cowboys and Indians. Okay. Um, uh huh. <laughs> and, and so I was walking around looking for a mango tree or a pear tree when hungry. Some store, I said, how am I going to defend myself? There's no stones on the ground. <laughs> well, I'm going to fight. That's what I used to do, throw it at the bullies and run. There was no, I couldn't find a stone on the ground. All the trees were just regular trees. There were no fruit trees. I said, what am I going to do when I'm hungry? At home when I'm hungry, I go pick a mango. I go pick some fruits. I eat it. Right. No fruit there. You have igloos on the side of us selling different things. I look, you can get so a everything was like easily accessible. As much yes. as the thing that you're saying, um, when people talk about being rich and being poor, it just really depends on your perspective. Because right. here it is that at home for you, what everybody on the outside is thinking and what the people living there are thinking, okay, we're very poor, we're in the ghetto, and we don't have much of anything here it is though and a different perspective the richness that was in your your life you had access to all of these fruit trees that was your norm that that just seemed like okay if i want something it's right it's so accessible where nowadays here if you want fruits like that and you want organic fruits like you're paying big money (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's looking like, oh, yeah. you're organic. You must be rich to be able to eat like that. You know what I mean? So it it just comes back to perspective where now you move to this place and everybody is supposed to be well off. And in your mind, you're like, there are no fruit trees. Like, wh- how do you guys survive? Right. Everybody has to have a car. There's no iglers on the side of the road. There's no shop, you know, in, in Jamaica. Everybody have a shop in their house. From the, you know, there's a shop right. every two feet. Um, there is no, you know, shop. You come out, you can walk two miles and didn't see a shop. And then Hibbers, and, too, for the no listeners. Is... I can't even jump on the bus. Right. Um, there's no bus, so how am I going to get around? I can't ride a horse. Right. I'm afraid of those suckers. Um, oh but, you know, it... <laughs> Hold on. Before we go further, she said there were no Higglers on the side of the road. And the Higglers are, again, the street vendors. So, um that's what you were saying is that you didn't even have people around that you could quickly get stuff from right. in terms of like foods or your snacks. And there, that wasn't, that wasn't anything that you had there. And it's, um, again, the, the story that you have in your book is so detailed and it's such a clear picture in it's, it really is like you're eating good soup or good food. You're just from one page to the, as you're just shoveling it down because it's just one of those books that you don't want to put down until you get to the end. Cause from one page to the next is 
is, is just so interesting and you want to find out what's happening and what's going on. So I don't want to give away much more of what's in the book, but there are just, there are just so many remarkable things you ended up. Um, one thing I do want to talk about though, is that you ended up after your two year, you then accepted a scholarship to four year university. And what was one of the things that was really important to this show is showing that yes, that's where you started, but you ended up being the first Caribbean WNBA player. How did you go from university to the WNBA? Um, Were you scouted? I was scouted. You know, um, again, you know, I was telling you that I was just, my first year was just learning. Going in my senior year, I was just learning the basic form of Mm -hmm. the game. Mm -hmm. And so when I got to the Seminole Junior College, that first year, you know, I run into all these girls there, came in on scholarships, and they've been playing for years. Mm-hmm. So I was a bit intimidated, you know, because, you know, these are supposed to be um, fine-tuned, at least, at a, you right. know, their, their skills are supposed to be fine-tuned. They're above me, you know. They've been playing for years. I'm just mm-hmm. starting. Right. So, but there were a few things that were, <laughs> you know, um, there are a lot of, you know, most of the girls were nice. You know, always have teammates where you're going to have one or two that's a little bit nasty. Right. And I remember one said, do you swing on trees? You know, do you swing? Wait, they asked you if you swing on trees? Yeah, Jamaica, of course. Oh, I don't know they were trying to be funny. Right. Um, and I said, yeah, we have some of the wow. best cars in the world. But it, it was one of those things. So I said, you know what? I don't like me making fun. I've been made fun of all my god darn guard darn life in terms of a her child. gosh darn translation. Guard darn, guard darn. <laughs> I didn't say guard darn. That's <laughs> anyway. Um. So I um I just start working out really hard. I was mm-hmm. in the gym every day. I mean, I if I'm not studying, I'm in the gym right. because I said it's a skill game. So guess mm-hmm. what? If I sharpen my skills, I'm going to be good at it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I can catch them up. While they're right. out chilling, and by by the end of the year, I was an All-American. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is what so many girls who have played years before me have not achieved. It's one, you know, it's just, it's it, it was just so. An All-American is a high recognition for basketball for and those yes, of us who don't know. Like it was me. high, yes, it's high recognition. It's like you're one of the best. They pick from okay. all the that region, and you're. But I was second team. Okay. So I said, that's not good enough. But then I wasn't too hard on myself. I said, I'm just learning the game. Second mm-hmm. so okay, I have one more year. Yeah. By the other year, I have every award you can think about. MVP for this, MVP for that. That's then so I was great. With some other <laughs> things. But that's to prove to kids that are in any sport, that's a skill sport, that they just have to put the time in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Admit it. Put the time in. Don't give up. Don't think about what others have or what they can do or what you can right. do. Focus on what you can do and, 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 and make sure, you know, you're doing it right. Right. And you will pass a lot of those people that were that are ahead of you. Because mm-hmm. a lot of them are just, they just said, I'm good, I'm good. I'm not going to do my extra work. Right. That's why I never stop working. I'm always trying to get to another level, no matter right. what it is. If it's clean in the street, I will try to clean the street as best as I can. I want to be the number one street cleaner. I don't right. care. Right. I just want to be good at it. And what you're saying is the formula that 
you know, you applied this to your life and that took you into, you know, basketball and being the best and winning uh, championships and all of this, but that that's such an important formula, no matter what it is that you're doing in life is that you have to work at it. You, you just can't get distracted with other people, how long they've been doing it, who you think is better. It's just focus on bettering yourself because so many times we end up talking ourselves out of situations or out of opportunities because we're figuring the other people that we're going up against is more skilled or they've been yep. longer. And then you underestimate yourself and kind of shoot yourself in the foot before you even give yourself a chance. Right. So that's so important what you just said there. Um, so being that now you were in another country <laughs> playing and all of this kind of stuff, were your parents able to see you play or see you graduate or were they able to celebrate these major accomplishments with you being that you were here in, in America? Yeah, my mom made it to my graduation at Seminole Junior College. Um, she came up. Mm -hmm. And that meant a lot to me. I'm sure. Um, Had you her, seen her since you left? No, I haven't. And um, so that just, you know. That was, was huge. Proud. And, and, you know, I'll, by then I was so popular. So everybody in the gym was going over and, you know, saying hi to her and everything. Mm -hmm. Because they all loved me because I helped turn the team. You know, I was a part of the reason the team got to be number one at one point. Right. <laughs> Um, I had, you know, like I said, it's a team sport. It was just right. a part of that, um, you know, uh, and so it just felt, it felt great for mm -hmm. my mom to be a part of this moment. And I right. wanted better moments for her to be a part of. That was just a start. Mm -hmm. That felt so good. I was like, dang, the more <laughs> I get better, the bigger the was, the better she's going to feel. The Aww, prouder she yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So, that's like me. That's like me now, where I like the smallest accomplishments um, with my kids are so huge to me. So I can only imagine that she probably wanted to just like she probably did. <laughs> Her chest probably just wanted to like burst. With pride and joy, and you know, looking at her baby, you're you're the only girl. You're her baby girl. I I just I I'm like you, her baby. Yeah, <laughs> you mom, totally you. did so yeah. many amazing things, and you know, every accompli every major interval along the way. I'm sure um, for your parents was just remarkable for them to witness it happening. Yeah, my mom, um, you know, I was a tomboy. I mean, mm -hmm. how could you not be a tomboy? I grew up with three brothers, and mm -hmm. my, we weren't allowed to go on the street. We did. Right. We broke the rules, but I'm just saying. So you just... <laughs> Hold you on. Also, Don't skim over that. You said your mom was didn't allow you to go on the streets, but... No, you're in, a, you're in the area where, you know, there's always fighting on the street or something. She didn't want us to get hurt. She wanted us right. to stay in and be I safe. We understand. You know? yeah. yeah, but but listen, mangoes are not only in our yard and the other fruits are not only in our yard, honey. <laughs> we wanted to go and play hunt. And then you know what? That's not only it, but because we lost water, water is always off and power and light. So we have to walk for water. The water pressure is always so low or off. So mm -hmm. I'm always on the street going to catch water anyway. And that was great so moments you catch, water. you catch the water to bring it back to the bring it back yeah. to 
Okay. So I have my little jug from I was a child. They give me my little syrup bottle, those little, you know, pint, you know, mm-hmm. that I would take my water in until I can take the gallons and, you know, mm-hmm. eggs. I would, you know, um, but I enjoyed that so much because that's right. when I get to meet up with other friends on the road. Right. And we walk. So, um, you know, it was that thing. And so, you know, because I was a tall one, my brothers had to be tough because they didn't want to play with me. So mm-hmm. that's the part. And I was always trying to be better so they would get me involved in what they're doing. Right. But it was working. <laughs> so um, my mom always said, I prayed for a girl and I got another boy. Right. Because <laughs> I never want to do any of the girly stuff. She's like, come on. Come so I don't want to do none of that. I want to go like kick survival ball. mode. You're like, I want to fit in. I don't have time for school. I want to go kick ball. Right. I don't want to do no sewing. I don't want to do no do. I don't want to do the girly stuff. That's boring. <laughs> they have more fun. I want to be a right. cricket. I want to play football. Oh. I didn't want, I didn't feel like there should be any line. Right. I didn't feel like, I didn't want, I felt, I feel like you're limiting me. Mm-hmm. I love, the, I love my dogs that I made, mm-hmm. but they, that was just when my cousin come around to play. I wanted to play with, build trucks and play with my brothers and stuff. So I really enjoyed, enjoyed that. But yeah. there's never a time that I wanted to be a boy. Right. That's the thing. You know, you just, I just want to enjoy the thing that they do. I don't want to, I didn't want to be limited, you right. know, but every time when a girl does, oh, you want to be like a boy. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a girl doing stuff that I like. Y'all just right. say for boys. Right. But in my head, no, why is it? I was a little feminist growing up. Right. I always said, why? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so when you, when you were on the, uh, when you, you were scouted and now you're part of the NBA and you became a part of the NBA when it just like became not long after it became established. So that was a massive accomplishment at that point in time. Um, Oh yeah. How long were you in the NBA for? I was WNBA, in the WNBA. I'm sorry. The WNBA. Yeah, yeah. I wish correct. it was the NBA. Those that money, myself. the salary is just really big. <laughs> you know, I wish it was the NBA. Um, I would be talking to you from my jet right now. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, you know, I while I was in college, I thought I would get drafted, but I got I, I got injured. That's a, like I said, another downhill. I was always running into walls, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I went to I went to the tryout, mm-hmm. and there were over three hundred girls. And wow. fortunately, I was one of the two that got picked up. Awesome. But here I am in Madison Square Garden with the New York Liberty. Mm-hmm. That's Madison Square Garden. I saw that on TV. That's the, the most famous yeah. arena in the world. Yeah. Okay. Here I am in Madison Square Garden. I was going there almost daily. Mm-hmm. And uh, first Jamaican. I'm in there. You know I. I break the barrier already. I, I, I just, it was just so fascinating. I'm, I'm around Spike Lee. I'm around movie stars. I'm around mm-hmm. singers. I'm around celebrities. And I, I, here I am, this poor Jamaican girl, like still broke as it. I'm still there, <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, it's, it was like I'm here. It, it just, it took a while to sink in. Like I'm, I'm actually here. Am I, am I here? Yeah. I'm coming from this little village in Jamaica. I'm right. here. Right. Where only a few can get in point nine percent and all these other girls that've been playing for years, that've been mm-hmm. in this great college that, you know, did not make it in. But I yeah. did. Yeah. Even at that yeah. So I was like I was so proud. Yeah. 
and so and deserve and all right to be um, proud in those moments. And yeah. I mean, with everything that we've talked about and your your journey and to where you are, you know, right now, the only thing is not even the only thing one the major thing that you take away from listening to you is that dreams can and do come true there's like this other quote that you had um in your book you know that was really great and it says uh, i became a champion for all the girls and boys seemingly locked in poverty who had lost hope of ever achieving success because of their present situation and so again the beautiful thing is that this transitions into is that you didn't only feel that way in the moment when you're trying to you know climb this mountain but from your accomplishments and you know championships and all of this stuff then you developed uh you did go back you went back and you're still going back to this very moment um up until most recently and you developed your organization and what I'll let you say the name of your organization that you have your foundation actually that you have created um, because you meant it 100% when you knew you wanted to go back you 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 did it you know before I even um, mentioned that I, I don't think we mentioned the name of the book it's called unstoppable yeah and um, and, and the reason why unstoppable is because of everything that I've been through. And mm -hmm. I always tell myself that, you know, again, all the things that I envisioned that I wanted to become, um, all the things I want to achieve, all the things I said I'll come back and do, I yeah. have to be unstoppable because there are all these walls in front of me. Mm -hmm. I can't, no mm -hmm. matter how frustrated it gets. And so, um, so I went, um, you know, um, I did my foundation because I made a promise that if I become successful, I'm going to go back and help the kids. Right. Um, and so Simone for Children, mm -hmm. um, I started Simone for Children. And I used to give, it was nearly half of my salary used to go to us because I didn't buy, I didn't want any car. I didn't think I need one. I didn't mm -hmm. want, I didn't buy any fancy clothes. I just wear, if people look at my clothes, they were just regular. <laughs> Cheap shoes, as long as they were comfortable. I said their kids would need shoes. I, right. I don't need anything with name brand just to be. Um, and so it, uh, until this day, it's just more important to me to put that smile on a child's face, mm -hmm. a, kid, a poor kid's face when they have something new because I know how much that meant to me. When I was yeah. waiting for Christmas to get a new dress, you know, something that I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to that shoes. It makes you feel so great. So to, yeah. to bless the child with that, you know, and then it's not just about if I, it's a homework program to help them with their schoolwork. So there are different parts, you know, that I play in their lives in terms of mm -hmm. back. And so, yeah, that means a lot to me just because you can never forget where you're coming from. Right. And then that, that's creating hope within another child that didn't have it before and here now it is this gift that's given to them um gives them hope that there is there is possibility you know uh one of the things too that happened recently while you were not available to come and do my show but we're not talking about that are we um <laughs> Just last month, you had another big dream 
And that dream was fulfilled when you, this is so huge. It's so huge to be recognized in this way, but you received the order of distinction from your home, your country, Jamaica. And that again, it is a dream that you had for yourself. And what was that experience like? Like you've done the NBA, you've gotten the championship and all of that, but that recognition from your home, what was that experience like for you? Um, you know, I've always told myself, I don't want to achieve everything and then it's given to me after I'm dead. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I could walk up on stage and face the governor general and get that award and see family and friends mm-hmm. cheer him and yeah. watch on the TV and um, being able to receive it in my hand while I'm alive, that meant so much because believe me, as a child, I always said I wanted to be a hero. I know, you right. know, you just, you just think you want to be a hero. You know, you <laughs> know, you know, harder to be a national hero. But, right. you know, I wanted to be big like one of those. You know, I was watching them. I watched TV and I wanted, you know, in your head, you don't know how to say celebrity. You want right. To, and, right. And that's one of the things I want to achieve, you know, when I saw it given on TV. I said, I want one of those. Mm-hmm. But then again, every time you say that, you're like, but then what, you know, all these people are about me. I'm poor. You know, they're not going to recognize. And then finally, I found my way to get it. Right. And it wasn't because I was going after it. It's just yeah. for me just working hard. Yeah. It's for my work I do with the kids, for my work with basketball. It's just for me just going hard. It's not like I said, oh, I'm going to do this for the OD. I did it, and then that came. You know, that's bonus. Yeah. So that yeah. was such a that that is an honor, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, the, the most important thing about it, let yeah. me give it this. Most important part about it is that these kids in my village can look on the TV and know that I came from there. Yeah. That was the most important yeah. part. Yeah. And it, it's it's um like you were saying, it's an honor, but this is for you to receive the order of distinction is some it's an honor that's like bestowed upon distinguished citizens of Jamaica for their outstanding and important services and hard work so like you said you know there it is a great example for everyone you know especially those in your village and your community but also everyone on the island and off the island that can see your hard work and really like your your memoir unstoppable which you know you had a successful book tour and the launch of the book this year i mean they're stacking up another reason why i was not able to get you but (laughs) until now but um yeah your book unstoppable which came out and it's the perfect title because that's what you've been. It's not like you couldn't stop or it's not like things weren't getting in the way to make you want to stop or trying to make you stop. Um, but you are unstoppable. You, you are unstoppable and you're doing so much more, um, with the book, with the foundation for, for the children. And then now receiving this honor, um, and recognized by your country. It's, it's so huge. And uh, what I want you to tell our listeners as we wrap, how can the listeners get involved with the foundation if they wanted to help as well? And where can they buy your book, Unstoppable? And how can they find you? 
because they're going to want to find you. <laughs> you know, uh, they just have to go to um, simil, um, to JamaicanHurricane.com. Okay. Um, so JamaicanHurricane.com, and then they can follow me on all the social media with Jam Hurricane, um, at Jam, Jam Hurricane, J-A-M. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, for my books, if they want an autograph copy, I, I'm doing that now, um, actually. They go through my website, and that's where you also find about Simone for Children. There's a part about Simone for Children, and I'm actually working on a new building now, so I really need all the support I can, a new homework center and a library, because there's none down there, again, because right. of the book, the whole right. thing with the book. So, um, and I already sponsored at least 10 people for that I covered for a scholarship this mm-hmm. year for school, paying the school fee. So, you know, I, I, I need more help in that. I'm not playing anymore, so it's not the same. Right. Um, but yeah, right. the JamaicanHurricane.com have all the information about where to find me. They just have to go to my website and, and everything is on there. Okay. Oh, this was good. <laughs> I can't. You're good, girl. You're good. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, I, I can't thank you enough for, for being on my show and for sharing, you know, your story. Um, it's just absolutely encouraging and ex- inspiring where it doesn't matter what cards you're being played at that moment. It doesn't matter what stage in your life. It doesn't have to be, okay, the cards that you were dealt when you were a child, but it's even the cards that you're being dealt right now. It just shows that it, you know, that your circumstances doesn't dictate your future at all. So my Jamaican friend that I had to translate for at a a couple of times. (laughs) Come on. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. And for my beautiful people, the skinny listeners, that's a wrap. Remember, we're now on both iTunes and SoundCloud. So please subscribe and share the skinny with others and take a second to review and rate the show itself on whatever platform you're listening on. And we love the stars, all those little stars that are there for you to rate it. We love the more stars, the better, more sparkles, the better. And follow it, right? <laughs> follow us on Instagram um, at Shazan and the Skinny Podcast. Um, and of course, Shazan.com is the main port for everything that we do. Uh, drop us a line if you have a topic that you'd love to hear on the show or if you have a comment about an episode if you have any questions about an episode feel free to just um, send over a line I pray this episode was motivating and inspiring and or empowering I know that it was definitely for me I hope it was the same for you Um, and I hope that you enjoyed our time together so you've been listening to the skinny with me Shazan and Simone, the Jamaican Hurricane, the champion, the first Caribbean and Jamaican WNBA player, the amazing Simone, like I said. Uh, thank you so much for sharing this time with me. And always remember, you have the right and deserve to live a beautiful and empowered life. Stay tuned for next week's podcast. Hugs and kisses. Mwah. <laughs>